0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Welcome to Thy—excuse me, I'm, I'm all lost this morning. I've been kind of thrown for a number of loops, but I'm getting it. I'm your host, Brady Finnard, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You Anytime, Anywhere. Today is Tuesday August the 3rd. And as we come, we study and pray the inspired and true word of God and put on our Christ goggles with Psalm 145. This is one of those Psalms where it tells us explicitly, great is the Lord. And it tells us much, not only that he's just great, But it shows us why he is great. And as we look at those words this morning, we realize that as we come to him, not only in praise, but also in prayer, that our Lord will be with us until the very end. So one of the great joys here today is let's get praying. The gifts are ready, ready for you. As we are looking at today's text, it is a joy for us to be able to give thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us today as we look at God's Word is Pastor Kevin Parviz, but right now we have a hard time getting a hold of him. So we're just going to dig in as we look at Psalm 145. It is an interesting text for us today that as we look at the Psalms, one of the great joys we have is Luther called the Psalms a Bible in itself. And that's one of the, um, the folk eye, if you will, that we've been having because we have been going back and forth with different uh, texts. For example, Nehemiah, we just got completed with. And now we're going back to pray. Because, how often is it that we actually stop and just pray? But today we pray um, the Psalms to remind us that not only does it give us an example of what David would pray or other people, today our, our Psalm 145 is from David, but also gives us something to pray. And as we pray this, we know the Holy Spirit is working with us as we know when we're in the Word. The Holy Spirit is there, but Kevin, Pastor Kevin Parviz, is with us. He is the pastor of Congregation Kai V Shalom, and is currently in New England, Rhode Island, if I'm correct. Pastor, am I correct? That's right. Outside
1: <laughs> and looking, at a, looking at a wonderful sight.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So tell us what's happening for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Kai V Shalom.
1: Well, they they say I'm on a mini-sabbatical. I don't know if they expect me to write something or not. But things things are going well, and the congregation is do, doing well in my absence. almost makes me jealous. I wonder if I'm in, in any use at all anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, everything is going well, and we're looking forward to the holidays in September. And, uh, unfortunately, St. Louis City just went under a mask mandate again, so we're kind of back to where we were for a little while last year but hopefully this won't last terribly long
0: and that's and i i appreciate i I appreciate the lament if i can say it that way is because Mm. it it is frustrating i don't you know whoever you are and whatever is going on it is a, a lament of sorts because it is frustrating to have to go back to some of that but at the same time we made it through before and the Lord will lead us through to, uh, uh, through this, whatever this might be. And I think our psalm tells us that today, that we can trust in the Lord, because He is indeed great. So, yes, uh, Pastor, as we begin, can you begin our time in prayer? Sure.
1: Abba Father, we thank and praise you for this great day and this opportunity by uh, by your gift of creation to reach people all over the world through the gift of the radio and the internet. We pray your blessing on those who are listening, that by your Holy Spirit, you would anoint their hearts anew for understanding and teach us what you desire us to learn from this psalm. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach, in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen.
0: Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning Psalm 145, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or as we join together live today... Call us at 1-800-730-2727 or 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, as we go back and forth with our text, we had Nehemiah, now we're going back to the Psalms. And then, was going to be a lot of fun, is next week we're going to start with the book of Hebrews. And, and it's really, I think there's a lot of connections as we look at that, looking at Old Testament, looking at Hebrews, and going back to the Psalms to pray. Wow. And so, Pastor, tell us, I want to get your thoughts on this, because we've been asking all of our guests this, the Psalms. They're very important to the Christian church. They've been important to the church from really the beginning. Um, um, So tell us about the Psalms. Why are they important to the church and also for us as Christians?
1: Well, you know, the Psalms, the people of God from, you know, the very beginning. This is obviously one of David's final psalms. uh, It's titled A Song of Praise. I mean, the Psalms have always been prayers. I know in our, we just did, you know, in the lectionary, we had Psalm 145, I think, verses 12 and 10 and following, I think, 10 to 21. Um, and, you know, Psalms are like, in the midst of a liturgical reading of the Word, are a time to contemplate on what we've just heard, because Psalms are always prayers to God. And so the Jewish people, you know, as as far back as, I, as can be remembered, have always used Psalms. Interestingly, You know, Psalms, they they recite Psalms for for opportunities to praise God. Uh, They recite Psalms in times of supplication. They recite Psalms in times of expressing regret for sin. And what's interesting, of course, is unfortunately in the Jewish religion as it is today, there's no expression of forgiveness that they hear, even though the Psalms are full of them. Uh, there's no uh, there's no understanding that God is hearing their prayers as they pray the Psalms. They're just uh, doing so as, as an expression of regret when they when they do come to face with sin. And so it's important for us as as those who have received the salvation that God provided through Messiah uh, to recognize that as we read and pray these Psalms, uh, it's not just the proclamation of the Word, much like we would do in our services. But these are times. The Psalms are prayed to the altar of God. He is listening to our hearts, uh, and, you know, the lectionary does a good job with, uh, uh, with the thematic kind of meeting of what the Gospels are, are telling us as well. And this is a psalm of praise. It's a psalm of, of saying, you know, God, you have everything. I am nothing. Thank you for pouring it out on me. Interesting thing about 145, obviously, is it's a, an acrostic, and yet there's a great mystery about the Nun verse. Um, so there's no, there's a missing verse in this psalm, some would say.
0: I want to get to more of what you just said and what that means, but I want to first do this, is as when we have a psalm, we're not only, I what I would consider, not only are we studying it this morning, but we're also praying it. So I want yeah. us to begin by going through the whole Psalm that I will read, and I would encourage our listeners that you would uh, pray with us. Consider this to be time of prayer, because how often do we just go through a whole day and we never pray? But here's your opportunity for that. And then we'll come back for some major themes in 145. And like you said, to pray the Psalms not only uh, gives us uh, the prayer but it points us to the grace and mercy of God especially that of forgiveness in Christ so we'll find all of that this morning but we begin by praying Psalm 145 and reminder to our listeners we will be reading from the English Standard Version Psalm 145 I will extol you my God and King and bless your name forever and ever every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your work shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of your glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, And your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And pastor, as we hear these words, there's a lot of major themes. I want to take one step back. And for me, Psalm 145 always has stuck out because it's something that we pray at the beginning of our dinner prayer quite often in our home. Um, this is from the mm-hmm. small catechism. Psalm 145 verses 15 and 16 are part of our dinner prayer. I didn't grow up with this, but this is something that we've been able to incorporate with our own family. So then I think of Psalm 145, I think of that. But Usually at that time, I'm just really hungry, and I'm just thinking about how I can get this done so I can eat. So, uh, tell us what what do you think of Psalm 145, and maybe some major themes or thoughts that will help us get started off on the right foot.
1: Well, it's interesting that you talk about that because you know, in it is traditional in Jewish homes to give grace afterwards, so we don't rush the prayer. (laughs) We just want to get food, so we can spend a little more time on that. But, uh, Amen. <laughs> yeah, I always make fun of that in Passover. So, so, yeah, so obviously this is a psalm of praise. David wrote it as, as an acrostic. Um, the funny thing is, whenever you get 22 verses in a psalm, that should always give you a hint that this is an acrostic. Uh, this is 21 verses, so the nun verse is missing. There's lots of commentary on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the major themes here are obviously uh, one— God's creation of all things and his beneficence of pouring it out on us, and then our thanksgiving to him for all the blessings. But what's interesting, too, in the Psalms, and this was the Psalm that goes with Jesus' proclamation of I am the bread of life in the liturgy last week, right. the Lord is near you. And so that nearness, that that communion with God in the very nearness of our taking his body and blood. is is part of this psalm, uh, which is why I think it was chosen in the lectionary for this series of readings. Uh, Then, of course, there is forgiveness in here. The Lord, you know, shows mercy, and He saves us. And it's just so sad that the the people that I am called to minister to recite this psalm and never hear the salvation of God, um, and never really, um, I I guess, internally accept it and receive it. There's obviously the Lord's hand in times of trouble. He's the one that holds us up. I mean, there's just everything. I mean, I feel like David, at the end of his life, as he wrote this psalm, just poured everything from his heart. All all of his experiences, all of his challenges, all of his guilt, everything he just poured into this prayer.
0: I want to ask two questions. The first one is you said acrostic. Uh, and, and what does that mean? So it's an acrostic uh, psalm. What, what does that mean for the simple minded people like myself?
1: Well, yeah, all of us. I've, <laughs> I've been thinking about figuring out how to retranslate the psalm so that the acrostic becomes more uh, obvious in English. Mm-hmm. But every verse, you know, there are 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so every verse begins with the the first letter, the second letter, all the way through to the end. Uh, And so, you know, obviously when you have 22 verses, you should, if you go back to the Hebrew, you can see the acrostic. Um, You can't really see it here as well in the English, but it's interesting because that is, I think David might have written seven acrostic poems. Uh, and there's an importance to that acrostic because there's an order to that. There's there's It's not just pouring out thoughtless things, and this is clear poetry. And so
0: a common one, would we say that Psalm 119 is acrostic? Is that how you would, because it, well, it, there it lays it out, but is that how we would say it or not?
1: Yeah, Psalm nineteen is a much longer acrostic. It has every section that begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, okay. But yeah, that's acrostic. anything that any any acrostic in English you would have A B C, and your, your verses would start with that. There's lots of English acrostic poems that mm-hmm. you could you could find, uh, and it's a lovely it's a lovely technique to play with if you're a writer because it forces you actually to think in terms of of uh you know synonyms and 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 things that you have to do in poetry.
0: Now, Sometimes I wanted I to ask like... this. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm, no I I I have nothing to do with that. I was going to move forward, but keep going.
1: I just feel like, you know, the you know, E E Cummings and and people like that who wrote free verse and, and well, I love some of those poems. They're, they 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 become a little uh less structured and I think easier to write. It's nice, it's nice to hold yourself to a structure and force yourself into thinking of all these concepts in many different ways.
0: And as you said so well, not only did David pour his heart out into this psalm, but also he had a, a definite plan when he wrote it um, and prayed it and sang it and, and, and so forth. And that's why I wanted to ask this last question before we dig in a few verses at a time, is when someone were to tell you, um, I want to read a psalm, and, and I want to pray a psalm, and what would be the time that you tell somebody to go to Psalm 145? What kind of situation or pastoral care situation would you be in to suggest this psalm?
1: I mean, almost any human condition is expressed (laughs) to Psalm 145. If someone comes feeling guilty, this psalm will give them grace. If someone comes feeling burdened, this psalm Psalm will give them lightness. If someone feels grateful, this psalm will give them uh, expressions of praise for the gratefulness that they have. I mean, so the, the, you know, in 145 is, is, it's used liturgically in, um, Hebrew worship in a lot of different ways. Um, Rosh Hashanah at the beginning of the New Year, which is coming in next month, the, there's a refrain here that is always used in, on Rosh Hashanah. So, I mean, its it, it really is the psalm. I hate to call it this because it seems so trite. The go-to psalm if you can't think of something else. Got I mean, it. obviously, I love Psalm 51 for repentance and, and forgiveness but I mean, this has, I mean, any condition that you are suffering, the psalm will speak to you.
0: And I like how you said that, because when I was reading this psalm, I was thinking to myself, this is almost a confession of who God is as well, that it tells and us a, all that God does. Yeah.
1: And, it's, and it's a wonderful expression of our responsibility as we receive the gifts of God to tell others about that. I mean, so it does it even urges us to witness.
0: I did I did read one commentary that said this is the mission psalm. So I that that yeah. definitely relates with what you're saying. So we talk about all these themes. How will we dig in? Um we'll be kind of breaking it down a few verses at a time and to see what God has given us in this psalm. I like how Dr. Seleska started our whole time when we started interceding these psalms in between our books, as he said, think about how the psalm, um, how God's word hits you. You know, what are the words that hit you and how they direct you, obviously pointing us always back to the Lord. So we're going to start the first three verses and break down what the Lord tells us this day. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord Yahweh, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Now, I think, I think, the uh, Pastor Parviz, we probably could be focusing on these three verses the rest of our time, but what are some major thoughts you found, or what are your thoughts on these verses?
1: Well, the f- first thing, and I had a, a member of our congregation who came to us from a non-Jewish background, uh, and never actually had considered God to be king of the universe Mm -hmm. until he started hearing our liturgy, because, you know, in in Hebrew liturgy, king of the universe is very prominent. And we always think of God as this, I think, as Christians growing up as uh, the God who is always at our right hand and always, you know, with us, but also this king. and, 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 you know, David, the king, is is recognizing his own kingship is merely but a, a glimpse or a picture of the kingship of God, and then of course there's this this refrain in this psalm, bless you your name forever and ever. I mean this is forever and ever. It's, it's twice in this, uh, so there is this this uh, expression of not the unattainableness of God, but the majesty of God who would di- who would. Deem to even come to us this i mean we think of kings you know the royal family is very popular Um, we don't know if charles will ever be king and it doesn't really matter to us yankees but (laughs) the reality is you know we think of these kings as as being sovereigns of little tiny kind of nation states when in fact our king is the king over all the heavens all the universe all the created planets all the stars everything and yet he deems to come to us
0: now as we look at that language that that is language that is hard for us to understand especially you know we went through first second kings and we saw the joy of a kingdom and the not so great of a joy yeah. uh with kings and so you don't have a we don't it's hard to grasp it because we don't see a lot of good kings so that part in itself can be hard to grasp, but then it, it it lays it on and on about how great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I thought that was that's really seen as kind of the main theme of this whole uh, psalm. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to gather my mind a little bit around the idea of great is the Lord and greatly to be praised because that obviously was not always true with the kings of this world. So what are your thoughts on what David writes here?
1: And you can't really get your mind around it because he tells you later in the next, and his greatness is unsearchable. So, right, right. We so try to get our mind around the greatness of the Lord, because we, we, our King is no human King. Human kings are totally depraved. Uh, even David, who shows us, is <laughs> depraved, right? The greatest right. of all the kings. Uh, but this is a, a God. This is a King that, uh, and, and not just. And I love how. David never refrains from often using the tetragrammaton, you know, Yahweh. And you you read that, which I really appreciated as you read it, as you read these three verses, because, I mean, his name, I am that I am, is, it says it all about who he is. Mm -hmm. And it's totally unsearchable in our own finite little
0: minds. I want to ask you this, too, because this confuses me. I, I feel like I'm very confused this morning. So I'm glad you're here, Pastor Parveys, is uh, when, when I think of <coughs> how we speak, if somebody um, helps me in a way that I'm very, very, uh, very thankful for. So a teacher or a coach or whatever it might be, my parents, I would say that person has been a blessing to me. And when I stand up at the end of worship, I will give people a blessing, the benediction, and will say, The Lord bless you and keep you. But the language here says in verse 2, Every day I will bless you. And it, he's speaking to God, if I'm correct. I will bless you, O Lord. How in the world do we bless God? Or am I looking at it completely wrong?
1: I mean, you know, in our liturgical format, we say right before the benediction, Bless we the Lord. Mm-hmm, uh, let right. us bless the Lord. And how is it that we bless the Lord, and we bless the Lord by receiving him i mean he that's all he ever wants is relationship with us and when we when we allow him to serve us through the divine service in our in our worship practices, and when we uh, thank him for the that those it's it's inconceivable that we could you know we're cockroaches basically in the universe. <laughs> How could we bless this (laughs) this mighty extol? But yet we are not cockroaches. We might feel like that, but the reality is we're the crown of His creation. And when we when we receive His blessing, we bless Him. That's it's a weird. I mean, the only human relationship that we can even say is a father to a son. I mean, the father or a child. Father, you know, fathers they pour out their life for their children. And when their children give them back, you know, even the least love, we feel blessed by that, you know, uh, and, and I think that's kind of in a very, you know, inane sort of way, kind of the way we bless God just by thanking Him for the greatness that He is and, and the joy that He gives us.
0: That is That is very helpful because it definitely is a different language and also reminds us of how we really can't bless him the way that he blesses us. It's almost a, um, I believe in you. I, I love you kind of language that all we can give back is a thanks. All we can give back is a, I believe you, or I'm with you, or receive him in faith. And that is hard to, to, it makes us realize right away, we don't deserve any of this, but yet he gives it, which is why David says, I will praise your name forever and ever, because all this you give, I don't deserve whatsoever. Pastor, any yeah. last thoughts before we go to our break? So well, that's
1: why I love that. Let us bless the Lord at the end of the service, because mm-hmm. we have spent an hour and a half receiving his blessings. Uh, and then it's simply a, an opportunity to say, we are the ones by whom your name is holy. That's what the ironic Benediction is saying. I will make my people my people. I will make them holy. And so when we say, let us bless the Lord, it's just a time to say, thank you, Lord. Make us your people.
0: I want to touch on a little bit of the end of verse three after our break, because it says these words, like you said, his greatness is unsearchable, which for us just makes the majesty of God beyond comprehension. But I also think that can be abused. It can be looked at in an incorrect way is he's unsearchable. Therefore, so I want to talk about that after our break right now we need to take our break we are we are studying and praying psalm 145 with the pastor kevin harvey's Bar- and we'll be right back
1: Here is what our listeners are saying about KFUO Radio. Hello there, I'm uh, from Scottville, Michigan. We appreciate having KFUO streaming into our home. The programs on KFUO have really built up our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you to all the staff for continuing to bring the good news to all the world. We will continue to keep you in our prayers. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. As we struggle to look at the world from a Lutheran perspective, there are many things that would tempt us from seeking first the kingdom of God. The May issue of The Lutheran Witness is all about this. Titled, Seek First the Kingdom of God, it covers a wide range of learning how to get over our worries and fears and trust in Christ alone, to how to avoid the temptations and struggles of technology. To order your copy of The Lutheran Witness, visit cph.org witness. You can also read more on witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you look at the world from a Lutheran perspective. Perspective.
0: On this Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, John and Janet Rao of St. Charles, Missouri. John and Janet made a gift to KFUO Radio in loving memory of John's mother, Hilda Sophia, on her birthday. And in celebration of her great-granddaughter, Elizabeth Sophia, who also has her birthday in August. Thank you, John and Janet Rao, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. And welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 145 with Pastor Kevin Parviz. And it tells us in Romans chapter 11, which connects with our verse 3 of Psalm 145, Oh, the depth of riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable and how inscrutable his ways, Paul tells the church in Rome. And for me, that is is beyond amazing to think about how God is so far beyond our understanding But also, I've heard it be abused in something like this. Don't put God in a box. Don't try to tell us how we interpret God and how we look at God. And I think God is like this, and how dare you tell me differently. That's how this verse has been used by people. And so, Pastor, what are your thoughts on that um, usage of those passages?
1: Yeah, the popular phrase I hear around St. Louis is, don't put a period where God put a comma, mm,
0: mm-hmm,
1: and, mm-hmm. and that basically is saying you don't know what God is thinking. So let He will do whatever He wants, and everybody's perspective is is valid. And the reality is, God does reveal Himself to us. He He may be inscrutable and unsearchable, but He reveals Himself to us in at least two important ways that we can then, at least in our, in our finite inability to to comprehend all of who God is, we know one thing, that God has identified himself to us by the Word. And so the Word can help us to, to at least know part of at least who God is, the things that he wants us to know about him. And then secondly, and most important, and unfortunately, don't put a period where God put a comma is used by churches— His people who have received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God within us, is there to help us know His Word and understand what it means. So, yeah, God may be unsearchable and inscrutable, but in areas where He wants us to know Him, He reveals Himself to us, and we can know Him.
0: Well, and and that is is so helpful, and it's so simple, I'll say it that way, and sometimes it can be very frustrating (laughs) because—go ahead.
1: People make the Bible harder than it is. They look for—you know, I I, I went through the whole thing with people years and years ago, the Bible code and all the secret things that are in there that God holds back from normal people, but you have to have some kind of—you know, God gives us His Holy Spirit, and He tells us what He wants us to know. It's just not that hard.
0: And this is where it's very comforting as a Christian, and it was for my own formation um, as, a, as a Christian, I would say, even above being a pastor or whatever it might be, is that to be able to say, we don't know that, like to be able to say without fear, you know, we really don't know about that. We don't know about this or know about that. And then finding that you nice know, wrong word and a lot of what KFEO does is that we're able to admit, yeah, we don't know that, but let's talk about what we do know. We, we do know the assurance of salvation. Like you said, we do know the assurance of forgiveness. We do know an immense amount of history that no other book has. And so we can focus on what we don't know, but Lord have mercy. Can you imagine in our lives that that's all we did all day? Well, I don't know how to do this. It'd be so, it'd be so yeah. much beyond belief. But here we do know what we have, which is solid, which is a rock, which is everything we have and gives us salvation in Christ. So that, I don't know, any last thoughts before we move on?
1: I mean, God, God doesn't want to be the aloof, unsearchable God. He is, by his very nature, unsearchable because, again, king of the universe. Let's, let's be honest. We don't even know as much as much knowledge as we think we have. We don't understand the universe. God is its king. He's the creator of those things. He knows all those things. We don't need to, but he tells us what he wants us to know about him because he wants relationship with us.
0: So let's continue to find out more about that relationship. I, these next few verses, we'll be reading verses four through seven. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. They shall speak of your, the might of your awesome deeds. And I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness, Pastor. What do you find in these verses?
1: Well, I, I, you know, this is for me, and this isn't um, this isn't necessarily the mission text that we have over and starting in verse ten. Mm-hmm. This is Father, you know, parents teaching their children. This is small catechism stuff. This is why Luther wrote the small catechism. Uh, for parents to teach their children, for us to share the knowledge of God that we have to share. You know, I love baptisms when I stand before the parents and the baptismal godparents or sponsors, and and we commend them with that duty to raise this child in the in the knowledge of God, to bring him to the to the worship of God, to teach him the the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer, and help him to help him or her to read the Bible. That's a that's and you know in in Jewish tradition, we have the oral tradition of keep in mind the Bible wasn't written down for everyone you know everybody who has seven copies of the scriptures in their house. You didn't have that in those days it was it was father telling their sons so that the oral tradition would continue, and that's what this is speaking of to me and and I love when David says that on your wondrous works, I will meditate. Mm. He doesn't say no. I will I will study I will I will break them down and categorize them and you know he says I will meditate you know things I don't understand I will meditate on and marvel at and you know what is meditation but just a time in which we open our hearts and minds to the things that God is telling us and let Him speak to us.
0: I'll say this: this is that 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 part struck me as well. Because what he says is meditate and meditation is not memorizing words so you can win Bible trivia. Um, And that's kind of how we treat the Bible is we treat the Bible like, I'm going to learn all these facts. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't know facts or we shouldn't know the history or shouldn't know any of those things. But I mean, my goodness, we went through Nehemiah and I went through so many names to try to pronounce them and to say them. And yes, God remembers all those names. And it's a good thing because I can't remember all those names. Um, But the scriptures are something to meditate to be able to uh, chew on to be able to uh, reflect on clearly not every single moment of every day we have to do this but then God gives us those moments like this psalm to stop and say wow. God is so good to us, and He's good to all people, all things, and He pours His righteousness upon us. And so, how can I not help but bless the Lord, as we've said so far? So, I like how you brought up meditation—that um, it was not—it's not something as simple as knowing all the facts because they didn't have it all together in one piece, but they are still meditating on God's powerful and strong word.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just. I and mean, part of meditation i mean sitting here watching the water and double waves waves lapping the beach and seagulls and i mean all i can do is meditate thank god for giving me this opportunity to enjoy his creation i don't have to understand the tides and all of that to to reflect that
0: and so, Pastor, one thing it says here, too, is one generation shall commend your works to another. And you alluded to it. You talked about teaching the faith from one generation to the next. What, what is the power of knowing that this God is not only from one generation, um, but is to another? And it's way before our time. The unsearchableness of God came way before us from the beginning of time. What's the power in that language he uses here?
1: Well, I mean, that just reinforces the forever and everything, right? the um the generations continue as long as the Lord allows us to uh, and certainly there will come a time when those generations will cease, but until that time, we are forever and ever to commend his works to gener to the generations that that come after us, and that is an ongoing work of the holy spirit uh and and that's the blessing of the church, you know. We always lament here in the West how, how the church is collapsing and disintegrating, and nobody. And I, I'm staying in an area where I'm literally, i literally. I hate to be. I don't want to assume, but nobody goes to church here in, in New England. It's like in this area. I don't get what the deal is, but uh, this this that was founded in a Puritan ethic. Nobody seems to care anymore. It just really frustrates me to. to to see that the people's interest on a Sunday morning is not in praising God for this amazing place that we have, um, and and I, you know I, I apologize to all of our listeners who are in New England and are on our <laughs> Facebook, but I you know we can lament the the collapse of the church, but the reality is the gates of hell will never prevail against it, and it will go on mm. forever and ever. And it's not a test; it's not what we see. It's not me sitting here lamenting the lack of faith in the community around me. Um, Yeah, I I have a responsibility to lovingly and and winsomely try to share the wondrous works of God. Um, But it's not up to me. God, God will not allow this to end. It will be forever and ever.
0: Yeah, it doesn't say the generation, and you're the last generation, by the way. It says one generation to another forever and ever. The Lord will continue to bring people to faith, and we continue to give him praise as we move forward. Even though our eyes see one thing, the Lord is still the king, as he says so well. Um, I think it's time for us to move on. We're not going to get through this if we don't hurry. So uh, verses 8, and I think we'll go through verse 13. The Lord, is great, the Lord Yahweh is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Yahweh is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Yahweh, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Yahweh is faithful in all his words, and, and kind in all his works. So now we get beyond the praise. I'll go, go ahead.
1: I'm just saying there we get to the crux of this, is what is what we do. And, here, and there's a dichotomy here between the saints and the children of man. And yeah. I think we need mm-hmm. we need to think about that dichotomy as we as we look around us.
0: And in, in what way?
1: Well, it's just that you know the saints shall bless you, and we are to speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power and to make known to mm. the children of your mighty deeds. Those are not necessarily the saints. I mean, I think it's really important to strengthen the faith of those around us because unfortunately we have seen it that people who are faithful will sometimes walk away from their faith. I don't understand how that happens. I've often meditated on whether I am I am susceptible to that as I get into these kinds of uh, arguments with with Jewish people who have very cogent arguments against the messiahship of Jesus. But the reality is there is a distinction between the saints who are the children of the Lord and the children of man. Uh, And Mm -hmm. there's that fallen nature in the children of man that, yes, we have in in our flesh, but has been washed away in our baptism, and we become God's children. And so we, as God's children, are to extol His mighty works to those who do not know Him.
0: Mm. And in these verses, it very much so shows us what we can tell about this gracious and loving God. For example, that God is gracious. God is merciful. God is slow to anger. He has steadfast love. He is good to all and has mercy over all. And so if you're wondering, boy, I don't know what I can tell about God. Well, I think he gives us a pretty good list. As you said, this is a a mission call to us, not only of what we receive, but how we can bless the Lord and bless others with these same words. Any thoughts on all the rich language it tells us about the Lord?
1: And I just think, and trust me, I don't have any problem with apologetics. I engage in apologetics a lot. And I think they're very important to, to undermine sometimes what people believe and, and trust in. But the things we have to tell about God are those unsearchable things. And, and we... And I love the way you stress the word all, because all includes the saints and the children of men. All includes all of his creation, and all of his wondrous works will give testimony about him. And so I think that's really important to make that—it it's, it's, reduces our responsibility. I mean, you know, I think we as Lutherans do a really good job of giving God all the glory when someone comes to faith and taking all the blame when someone does. <laughs> and, and because we have a fear of failure, we just don't share our faith. And uh, right. that, that's just not appropriate. We don't get any—it's all about God, and, and God will call those to whom he will call. We just tell about his gracious mercy and his grace and mercy, his slowness to anger, his abounding in love, his goodness, his mercy, all of that.
0: And I think that is very helpful for us to hear that word all, because it's very easy for us to be able to put people into um, um, compartments and just say, well, okay, that's that's kind of them. They're not going to listen. This is not going to happen there or whatever it might be, as opposed to seeing that this grace is to go upon all. And then therefore we we can share that God loves all. I mean, it can be abused. Once again, it's one of those abused uh, realities in our culture that you say that God loves all doesn't mean that we, he accepts all things, um, that he's gracious upon all does not mean that there's not a way we should live. Kind Like you said, there's children of man and children of God, distinctions that we have and baptism and so forth. And it's very helpful for us to be able to use that and have comfort in that. And at the same time, to be able to still end with that. So you can say, God loves all, and then you can talk about what does that mean, how does that look, and still end with God loves all on account of Christ without fear, because like you said, it's all about Him anyways.
1: And, And if God loves all, granted we are broken, sinful people, but we should aspire as well to love all.
0: Now, Pastor, I don't know if you looked into this at all. Verse 13 has uh, brackets at the end of sure. verse 13. Any any thoughts on that part of this? I don't know if it has something to do with the noon that you were talking about with um, the Hebrew language, but it has these brackets, and what does that mean? Did you look at that at all?
1: Well, so, yeah, there's a... Uh... So you know, if you look in any Bible, it'll tell you this is in the Septuagint and Syriac, and it's not in the Dead Sea Scrolls version of the the Psalm 145. This is the missing Nun verse, and the best thing I can say is, and there's tons of commentary down through the centuries with regard to rabbis who are making up things about why they think the Nun verse isn't there. Um, they say that it's you know, I just we don't have time to go into all of the pull on that. But the reality is, the best thing we can say is, "Well, this is fine and I'm glad the ESV marks it in brackets, we just don't know. And that's okay. And there may be a reason why, I mean, maybe David screwed up. Maybe it was a copyist who, who missed a verse. Who knows what it is? Or it could be an intentional upon David to say, think about these things. <laughs> who knows? That's right. you know, That All we can say is interesting, but... I don't know if it's salvific.
0: <laughs> right, absolutely, yeah. And there is a reality. Those words are not uh, counter anything else that Scripture says. It's not like it says, the Lord is not faithful in His words. Actually, we don't really know what He's doing at all. or something along those lines <laughs> is that it tells us He's kind and He is faithful, which, let's be honest, it's everywhere in Scripture. So we can look at it and say, yeah. well, we don't know. At the same time, we can say it definitely lines up with what God has to say in the rest. Uh, yeah, Pastor... And it
1: point out this little interesting anomaly in the acrostic, which is, I think, interesting for believers to get. You know, some would say, "Well, this shows you that the scriptures are not true because if that was an actual acrostic, there would be a nun verse, and now you guys have it in the brackets, so you're just trying to make stuff up." <laughs> yada yada yada. Uh, you know, right. <laughs> it's it's an interesting anomaly. It's something to, to to know about, but you know, it ultimately isn't that critical. And I suspect. My personal suspicion, given given who I am, is that David did this for us to trip over it, just to give us a break in the middle to say, hmm, let's think about why this might be missing, and what's before and what's after, because there's a transition here.
0: You're exactly right. So let's get to that transition. We'll do 14. I think we'll go all the way to the end as we come upon about uh, eight minutes left in our time. 14 all the way to the end, verse 21. Yahweh upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Yahweh is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Yahweh is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Yahweh preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of Yahweh, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So we hear more about who God is here. What does it tell us?
1: Especially, I think the transition here is from proclaiming God's greatness and wondrousness and unscrutableness and whatever it is, to an individual perspective. Um, his, his, his love not just for us as a people, but us as an individual who might be, who might be struggling with things, um, who might be sinful and not repentant. I mean, there's, there's clear—you uh, know, that's the one thing I think that the, the Christians have got over the Jews in the traditional use of the Psalms. Jewish people don't often look at the imprecatory psalms and call that call burning fire down on the heads of their enemies. Uh, it seems a, a, an interesting kind of Christian perspective. I hear a lot of a lot of that going on. Uh, I don't think that's um, necessarily what um, God gave us those imprecatory psalms for, but to remind us that we are broken people, and here this, that reminder is right here. And the Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. That's the crux of this section. There is a distinction. It's the same distinction up above between the saints and the children of men. But now we understand their destiny. And then, of course, his concluding thoughts.
0: And what are his concluding thoughts?
1: My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, even... even even David, who struggled with his own sin and who found the forgiveness in God, um, you know he knows the temptation to be wicked. And so he is praising God, I think, for his own redemption, but also for the redemption that that God gives to the people who will turn to him in repentance.
0: Now, Pastor, we have a question that came in, and I think it's a good one, because you mentioned that this is probably written towards the end of David's life. Do we have any context for that? Is that is that explicitly written anywhere? Or are we kind of making some assumptions since this is his last psalm? Um, well,
1: I mean, I, I, I mean there, if you look at the timing and the the sort of chronology of the psalms, this falls toward the end of his life. And it is, um, I mean, David has, I mean, we know you just went through Kings, so you know the end of mm-hmm. David's life. Um, and you know his disappointment as well as his confidence in his son. Uh, and, we know, and we know the rest of that story. So um, this is just David not hiding in a cave, not being chased, just kind of at the end saying, I, 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 my whole life has been amazing.
0: And there definitely is that feeling of him saying forever and ever that he has an eye towards eternity. He has an eye towards heaven as he's speaking this, and I praise him now, I'm going to praise him later. And then also a call to say... We want people to believe this. We want people to um, trust in this message. And so, Pastor, I wanted to kind of look at that a little bit because it's very easy for me, I know, to be able to say, God is gracious, God is loving, God is slow to anger. um, He is good to all. He has mercy over all things. But then, like you said, that imprecatory nature here is that he says he, he is righteous on those who love him. And for those who are wicked, he will destroy. Why is it important for us as Christians to be able to speak about both things, God's grace, but also the consequences of a lack of faith?
1: I mean, again, it's because God's love for all should inspire us also to at least ascribe to that. Um, And all means even those who are going to be destroyed. Yeah, I I think that we, we think the day of the resurrection is going to be some glorious thing, but, and I don't, I don't have a clue. It certainly will be, but I know that all flesh are going to be resurrected and then there's going to be a judgment. And and, and until somebody breathes their last, they still have, uh, we, you know, they, they, they still may come to an understanding of who God is and his mercy for them through Christ. And so that's just a part of, you know, I, I struggle on Sunday morning. Our church is in a storefront, right out on the street. Uh, Sunday morning, there's a yoga class across the street in a restaurant parking lot. There's yeah. people strolling up and down. No one's going to church, uh, and I struggle with, you know, here we are being fed by God, and they don't know that stuff, and nor do they want it. Now we can't we can't control what they want, but we can control what they know.
0: And this is a, a a very important reality for us. As you see that, Pastor, this is a this is just a good a good thought for all of us because we all experience this. You know, whether it's in your own church like for me we are across the street from a school um and and my kids are involved in sports and and all of this i coach track and and i know that reality that okay i'm going to church this weekend you ask somebody else well i'm doing this and this and that and 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 you struggle with is this a i'm just apathetic like i believe it but i really don't want to participate or is it a complete denial for how do we as christians on a daily basis What should be our prayer? What should be our reaction? Um, How do we find comfort as we look at those struggles that we see, literally across from the parking lot at times? We have about two minutes left.
1: I just—I go back, for me, it's Jesus' lament over Jerusalem. How he, I mean, I don't even know if the word lament is, is enough, but his heart is breaking for those who will not receive him. And I do think our hearts should break for those who will not receive Him, uh, and we shouldn't become comfortable in our own salvation, because frankly, the more comfortable we are in our own salvation, the more in danger we are of the devil leading us away. Um, if we understand that that the wicked will be destroyed, that those who do not know Jesus will not will will suffer judgment, and if our heart doesn't break for them. Then, if it does break for them, we will hold on to the gold that we have so much tighter.
0: And I hear these words think, when it says, oh, "Go ahead, keep going."
1: I mean, I just want to make it's not us, you know. God preserves us, but you know, we we do. I mean, I don't understand it. I don't pretend to. But how can a Christian walk away from his faith, and yet we see that all the time?
0: All right, Pastor, we have bought We have a minute left. How would you summarize this great psalm?
1: Read it for yourself, pray it for yourself, and inwardly digest these words because they are for you.
0: Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom, helping us to pray God's strong word from Psalm 145. Great is the Lord, Pastor Parviz. Thank you for pointing us that way, and thank you again for being our guest.
1: Thank you. Blessings
0: to all. Saints of our Lord, keep praying. Great is the Lord, and although his greatness is unsearchable, he has graciously given us a glimpse of his mercy, goodness, patience, preservation, and we are able to see all of this on account of Christ, who is merciful, goodness, patient, and preserves us in him. O Lord, help us to be a good witness of this to all people and to trust that he is near. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.